smart and work hard, but just aren't where or who you want to be. Welcome to your podcast, Real Confidence. I'm your host, Alyssa DeVere, and I'll be sharing a bit of brain science, some surprising social secrets, and a touch of tough love. Why? Because I believe confidence is everyone's fundamental right and choice. So let's get to it. My friends, you're in for such a treat in this podcast. This is an honor, a privilege, just a delight for me to introduce you all to somebody that I met about two years ago, I think now. We're not going to say where she actually works at the moment, but you're going to hear some really cool reasons why she used to be at a very conservative, large financial institution, now works for one of the best known, most awesome tech companies. And, and some of the changes that she's made in her life, not just the work stuff, but more importantly, the reason I asked her to be here is one day I'm on a Zoom with her and she's got purple pigtails, total skulls all over her really adorable top. And I said, did you dress like this back at the bank? And she said, are you kidding? So we're going to talk about that with this wonderful person known as Anna Etten. Anna, thank you for being here. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. All right. So let's just go back a little bit. You were with and I'll say it was a bank. You were with the bank for how long? Almost 20 years. I started there as uh, in my early 20s as a punk rocker coming out of high school. I needed great health insurance and took a job as a teller, worked my way up the last bit of a, what, what used to be a corporate ladder and, um, and had a, a fantastic career there. I really enjoyed myself. What I didn't realize until after I left was that it had really shaped the way that I thought and behaved in some unexpected ways. And I think that's what sparked our conversation today. For sure, for sure. So give some examples. What were some of the things that I guess in hindsight, or maybe, maybe even just, were there things that you knew then and there, you're like, oh, I'm doing this, but I really don't want to? I'm sure that there were at points, it's, it's difficult to reflect in that way. I mean, some of them were very functional things. I now work for a company that does a lot of longer form writing. I the, used to work for a company that, that used PowerPoint. And so those are, there are different ways of constructing information and presenting information. And because I had spent almost two decades working exclusively in PowerPoint, I didn't realize until I was then challenged to write a longer form document, how much it had really shaped the way that I put together information, the way that I, I thought about things. Um, so that's one example, very, very tactical example. For sure. But, you know, this is the real confidence show. And so, again, as I was looking at your purple pigtails that day, and I hope I'm not offending you, you're not you worked at the bank for 20 years, so you're not 20 years old anymore, obviously. Like, did you know that you were just dressing to the, play the part there? Did you know it at the time? So, uh, yes and no. You know, beginning early in career, um, you know, I began in banking at a time where we were just a couple of years out of pantyhose. I mean, tellers were still expected to wear skirts and, and hose. And so I fortunately I came in at a time where, where you know, pants were acceptable. Uh, I could wear a sundress without, you know, hose underneath, but, but it was not not long after. And so there very much was a certain manner of dressing that was 
um, acceptable for the role. And, and I think like any industry, right? I, I sort of thought of it as I'm going to wear my banking uniform today, right? So if I were going into fast food or into uh, a warehouse or, or doing landscaping, I would have whatever appropriate clothing. So this is my banking uniform. Uh, and, and I was able to tell myself that for a long time. Over the course of years, one can typically only afford a wardrobe versus several. And so I think eventually as a younger person, as I came out to the world, started acquiring items, spending more money, my, my wardrobe became mostly work. And then it became all work. All stop, right? All work. And all work, no play, but all work, probably all black or gray as well. I, I managed to keep, yes, mostly. So, um, but but I did manage to keep a little bit of color. People would always joke and say, oh, you're probably from HR, aren't you? Because I'd have a, a green blouse on with a black suit or or some big funky earrings hidden underneath, um, you know, or some fun jewelry. So I tried to keep a little something of, of my own sort of nature there, but stylistically, I mean, very traditional clothing, um, very traditional hair, makeup, nails, et cetera. Yeah. Well, nails, you, you got on, you were showing me your gorgeous cotton candy nails and talking about your colorful mask on top of the colorful hair and all the other stuff that you've done now. So, you know, when you did make the decision to leave, you have to, you had a reward re- but it sounds like. <laughs> well, but I, I didn't think, I didn't even think about it that way. It was such an after effect. And, and I, I mean, even interviewing for, for the company I work in now, I, I was told I could wear anything I wanted to, to an interview. And I thought, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you say that. And, and they said, no, if you wear a suit, you will be the only person in the building wearing a suit. You're welcome to, if you would like to, but, but no one else in the building will have one on. And so I dressed down a little bit for myself. I chose a dress, um, which was not as formal as I would have worn in financial services, uh, but definitely a little fancier than uh, than the corporate offices here. And so um, it took me, even after meeting a teammate that had rainbow colored hair, it still took me almost a year before I pulled that trigger myself to make a big change in my physical appearance that felt a little bit back to, to me. Well, so let's let's like get some juicy now. I mean, we've gotten kind of like the, the the facts out on the table, but I mean, like, so you you change jobs. It doesn't sound like it was intentionally so you could dress differently. And of course, dressing is just one symbol of everything here. But yeah, you know, was there this like liberation? Did you feel like, oh my god, I can actually be as we say our authentic selves? Did you feel that? Was there a moment? They're they're very. I don't know if there's a moment, there were multiple moments where I had these sort of realizations of, of, wow, I didn't realize how much I didn't feel like myself until now I do. And, and so I, I think a couple of those things that, that sort of um, sparked, my, sparked my memory right off, one was just the, the complete nonchalance with which any, everybody looked at my tattoos. I mean, nobody cared anything at all that I had tattoos here. Um, I got zero reactions except positive ones when I dyed my hair purple. 
Um, I, I dyed my hair sort of a dark purple. And the only thing I heard from colleagues were compliments about how nice it looked. And, and um, I happened to have a purple wall in my office and, and somebody said, you're glowing against your wall. Um, and, and so, I mean, I really didn't realize how much I didn't feel like myself until some of these things started happening. And um, the wardrobe was a bit later than the hair. I went for the hair first. <laughs> uh, and then the, the wardrobe certainly started to change. You know, COVID and working from home more often helped that as well. Sure. Um, and just being able to be in my own space. I'm well, sure for many people. Yeah, absolutely. For, uh, you know, so it's interesting because I've seen even in the um, ERG Leadership Alliance, We've seen people change over the last year or two in terms of, you know, head, shoulders up even, right? You can you can see that they're doing different things and expressing themselves. So I, I didn't say it in the beginning of the introduction here. You kind of dropped a little hint, but you are not just in HR, but you are in diversity, equity, inclusion now. And I wonder, you know, in hindsight, what were like some of the gems that you've learned in your own journey to, to bring forward yourself and, and, and now be able to say to other people, you know, this is really important. And like, what are some of the things that you wish you knew then? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, so I must give the caveat. I have, I feel like I have a little bit of positional privilege because I am in my mid forties. I've been in corporate for two decades. I feel like I've, I've carved out a, a niche space for myself and that does offer a bit of positional privilege. Um, I, I don't think that my colleagues are going to change their opinion of my decision-making because of the color of my hair at this point in my career. In my 20s, they might have. And, and so I, I have to acknowledge that for people that are at different stages of their career, that, that positional privilege might not be there. And so I will offer any uh, advice that I, might come out of my mouth in the next few minutes <laughs> to say, um, please be careful with your own career, right? I mean, be thoughtful about your own career. If being able to wear your nose ring and have visible tattoos and purple hair and spiky shoes and whatever you want to wear is, is super important, then choose wisely and, and find a company and a career that offers that level of acceptance. I mean, and as I, you know, the same place I started from, different careers have different uniforms. And, and part of that goes along with you've got to decide um, what is most important to you on your list of criteria. And if you get 10 things out of a job, you know, if you've got a list of 10 criteria, you're probably not going to get all of them. And, and so what needs to be at the top? Yeah, no, I think it's really, really important to say that. Um, I think not only the culture and the industry and you as a person, these are all factors in it. And, and, and as we come back from our break, we're going to really sit down and think about what is it if somebody's feeling like they're just uncomfortable, we're in the middle, as we are recording this great resignation, I think a lot of this is that turmoil of, I don't feel right in the job that I'm in and how much, and what can we tell people as far as figuring out those things that just feel like you're not in your own skin maybe it's your clothing, but maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's the industry or the task. So we'll come back in just a minute. But before we take a break, Anna, I don't want to lose the gem that you dropped, which is, I think we've heard from other people. In fact, we have a mutual friend and their, her daughter got fired at a company because she wanted to have something on her car, right? 
So, you know, as a professional, particularly in HRDI space, um, it, are there laws, are there things that we need to literally tell people you need to be aware of so they don't get into that trouble? Because this was not a law, but it was certainly a cultural issue. Certainly. I would advise we should each be as familiar as we can with workplace laws in our own states and our own and municipalities. Um, but certainly read your HR handbook from start to finish. It is there for a reason. There are things in there that may feel boring, but you don't know you need them till you need them. And, and so, you know, I think information is one of the most valuable things that we can have. And so arm yourself with all of the information that you can about the companies that you're working for. Excellent. All right. So it's a great lead. And we're going to take a minor break for our sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk some more specifics, how to really find your authentic self in a way that's safe and freeing and feels good to everyone. So we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by the ERG Leadership Alliance. ELA is making workplace diversity and inclusion a reality by equipping leaders with the knowledge and tools to run effective employee groups. You can learn more about ELA's many events, training, and tools at www.ergleadershipalliance.com. I'm here with the awesome, amazing, I, I will ha have lots more A's after that, but Anna Etten, she's uh, one of my favorite people on the planet. And I, I love you for so many reasons, including the fact that you decided to express yourself in a visual way at work. Um, and it was uh, serendipitous, if you will, because of your career change. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people out there that are itching to express themselves. And I said on another podcast, I was actually doing a lot of editing this weekend, authenticity, that word kind of makes me twitch because it gives people permission to be assholes. And we're not talking about that kind of authenticity, right? Question for you, somebody's at work. And this is a big loaded question. And I know this, Anna, but I can ask you because you're brilliant. Um, somebody's at work and they're like, I, I just feel like I can't do me. Do you remember what that felt like? And what, Again, maybe what would you tell your younger self or somebody out there who's feeling like they're just in the wrong outfit, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I similarly I kind of roll my eyes when we, we have to thank people these days for being authentic because, ugh, I mean, th that shouldn't have to be a thing, right? That, that you know, we should, I, I hope for each of us that we are able to, to be our authentic selves. Um, but having been in places in my life where I couldn't, um, you know, let's let's think back to that. So I, I think some of it is being willing to take small risks. And if that is, uh, that could be with appearance uh, or that could be with um, with the way that you are managing your, your work or your relationships in the workplace. Uh, if you feel like you are not able to speak your mind, if that's the, the self that you can't be, um, you may look for advocates around you to help create some safe space. And you may just have to take that leap and make the statement in the team meeting that you have been afraid to make or uh, call your boss aside and ask for the conversation that you've been hesitant to have. Um, there is no way to know until you try it. Uh, calculated risks are very important. So 
of when I began, you know, as I was um, in a more conservative uh, dressing environment, I took calculated risks. So I wore big funky jewelry. There's nothing in our company policy that said I couldn't wear big funky jewelry. Um, I might not have looked the same as everyone else, but I still felt like me. I still had my stuff there. Um, you know, I was very conscious that in the industry that I worked in, most of the senior executive women had very straight hair and I had, cur I have curly hair. And for many years, I would try to straighten or flatten my hair to get that more executive look. And I remember, cause it felt messy somehow. It was as, as if my, my curliness was perceived as unkempt, as if my unkempt hair then meant that I was not as professional as someone else. And, and you know, this, I happen to be a white woman. There are black women that deal with this all day, every day for their entire careers, perception of hairstyles. And, and I remember the first time that I saw a senior executive woman at my company with curly hair. And I mean, Alyssa, I think I might have actually sent her an email and said to thank her. I, I, I don't remember <laughs> if I ever clicked send, but I know I wrote her one to say like, thank you for just wearing your hair, the way that it comes out of your head. I mean, I know. So, no bra burning, just a blow dryer burning. Let's just do it. Just, oh my gosh. And the, I mean, what do you think about, there are, we won't go too far down the rabbit hole, but when you think about the exponential impact. So for a woman that has curly hair to straighten or, or manage her hair every day in, in such a way, there is time, there is money, there's just the time you have to stand there doing it every day. There's the money invested in the products. There's time lost that you could be spending with family or doing something and else. Preoccupation all day long, right? Because you can do it in yes. there. Sorry. You know, it's so funny, Anna, like we're talking very female centric issues here, but this applies to you every gender. And of course, you know, as genders yeah. are becoming more and more fluid, I, I really hope that um, if there's uh, male identifying people listening, not just for yourself, but your daughters, your sons, your gender fluid children, your friends, you know, there are these similar issues. Maybe it is not hair for somebody, maybe like you said, a nose ring or a tattoo or something else that is really part of their identity, part of who they are. Well, it's all covering, isn't it? I mean, right. What, what we're in some ways, what we're talking about is um, is covering. It is covering a piece of my identity to either fit into whatever workplace work expectations are there or whatever societal expectations are there for me. Yeah. And, and so it absolutely, whether it is, um, yes, this is definitely not just about women. Um, and, and I would say, particularly as we begin to gain appreciation and, and more than acceptance, appreciation for the fluidity of gender and the, the many different ways in which people are um, that, that we've got to, got to think more carefully and creatively about what that means about how we look. And, and so I think about the body positivity movement that really initially kicked off to, to combat the stigma around fatness and to, to bring some body acceptance and, and, um, there are people that talk now about body neutrality, body positivity, but I think what that means is that each of us can now have permission to look however we look. 
Yeah. And, and it's and, going to take time yeah. to break some of the biases, but at least it feels like some of those walls are coming down. And, you know, I think there's a sadness here for me anyway, you know, we're young, we're kind of rebellious. We are who we are. And then we have to fit into the lane of whatever the company or organizational uniform, as you said earlier. And then we yeah. finally come out sometime and we know at least at the Institute, you know, it's about 60 years before we look back and go, shoot, that's not who I am. Right. And we become our full selves. So the goal is to really be who you are, express who you are sooner, better, faster. I just wonder, do you see this really changing in your, in, I mean, you're kind of at the leading edge in the organization you're in, in the the, the department you're in, do you see this changing fast and furiously? Do you, do you think in the next five, 10 years, 20 years, we're going to be able to have these bias break down? I, I mean, I'm a relentless optimist by nature. So my answer immediately is going to be yes. But I, I, I think, yeah, I do believe yes. Some of that will be the, the generational shift as the, the kids today are now growing up in an environment, at least for many of them, in which um, they have the opportunity to be whoever they are, uh, whatever that may mean to them, from uh, neurodiversity to gender fluidity to any number of other things that, that we are um, learning to, to break down stigmas about and, and to become uh, more inclusive and, and appreciative and understanding of each other. So I think some of that will be the generational shift. Uh, and, and many of us older generations are, are watching them and saying, I think they have it right. Let's go with them, please, right? Please. All right. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, you know, it couldn't help as you're talking this whole time. Every time I, somebody on a podcast or interview says to me, what's the worst advice you, you've ever gotten? I have an answer and I'm going to give it, which will buy you an extra 30 seconds to think about the best advice you ever got relative to this topic, like the best advice somebody said to you or the best nugget that you were like, dang, because the worst thing, my mother-in-law, so generation above me, when I said to her, what should I dress for this particular event? Now, mind you, it was a formal event in New York City, just saying, her, her advice to me was blend. You should always aim to blend. And I looked at her, I was like, that's the worst advice I've ever got. Like blend? Like what? What? And so it's kind of a running joke in my head perpetually. So as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, I wish I knew you a long time ago because we could have been joking about this 20, 25 years ago, but best advice, or you, if there's some piece of advice you wish somebody never said to you, I'm, I'm, I'm game to hear that too. I, I think the, um, the old adage about dress for the job that you want is, <laughs> is, is I think it needs a reframing, right? It's, dress to be the person whom you are in the job that you want. I'm clapping. If anyone wonders what that noise is, I'm so excited. That's awesome. Say it again, Anna. Dress. Yeah, dress, dress to be the person who you are in the job that you want. I love that. I love that because I think that's where we want to push things to be so that if somebody's really competent, and passionate about the role that they're going to do, it really shouldn't matter what color their hair is or how many holes they have in whatever places they want. As long as they, they're bringing them the whole selves to the job. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing such confident words and inspiring all of us, including especially me. Thank you so much for the invitation, Alyssa. And, and 
for for all of the listeners, sometimes purple hair does make you smarter. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes. With that, thanks for everyone for listening. So before we completely wrap up, I want to let you know that full transcripts and show notes for this and other episodes can be found on the website, www.americanconfidenceinstitute.com forward slash podcast. I also want to remind you once again, that the best way to get confidence for yourself is to give it to others. And you can do it so easily just by liking and sharing this episode on your favorite social media channels. You can even give me some confidence fuel by sending in any comments about the topics I've covered or ones you'd like me to consider for the future. So for now, this is Alyssa DeVere. Thank you for helping to bring more confidence to the world. This podcast was produced by Mindful Media. All rights reserved by Alyssa DeVere and the American Confidence Institute. Music written and performed by Jeff Weinstein.